people. It's Reg. It's Stone. And we're talking crap about Apple's overprices for their fucking phones. <laughs> Apple, I remember back in the days, I'm going to age myself when I used to get that hot Nokia phone for like, you know, a couple of hundred, maybe if I was born out, you know, three, four hundred tops. Jesus Christ, a thousand dollars. Plus. Plus. That's capitalism for you. That is. I've been to tariffs. Damn it's, you, Trump. it's so beautiful. Damn you. It's, it's, I will own one. <laughs> uh, anyway, people, hope all is well out there. Yep, we're recording this on Little Wayne Eve. Little Wayne Eve. This is, that's going to be a national holiday before the 27th for his birthday. <laughs> before, the, before the illustrious album comes out. I mean, out. I used one to text. You should have texted me so we can coordinate yeah, and get those drops. You know how Little Wayne Eve is. You know, we all got to get ta- face tattoos, <laughs> <laughs> skateboards. <laughs> And then purple drink. <laughs> I wonder what the listening party is going to be like. You know, is, is, is he going to do like the over the top? You know, like, is he going to do like, uh, you know, amusement park like Travis Scott? Yeah. Is he going to go Wyoming? Yeah. Or like, probably, I don't know where, I guess, maybe, I guess maybe strip club somewhere. You know what the sad thing though? This album's been like so long awaited and so old, probably. They probably have to find CD players. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we don't have this technology anymore. <laughs> They're blowing dust off this old CD. Uh, but anyway, how's anyway. everything going happening out there? It's been an interesting, a lot of, lot of crazy releases this week. Nothing really big, big. No, nothing crazy. But a, a lot of like, uh, I guess, like, you know, a lot of young, uh, popular rap acts from Young Thug to Brockhampton to, to Lupe Fiasco. It's, it's, been a, it's been a weird music week. Weird, but good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this week, what kind of stuck out in my eyes was kind of the the, the the inevitable death of live music. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, long story short, a Canadian news team went out to apparently it's an industry show where you know you go out there for you ticket brokers out there and scammers and scalpers. You kind of go up there and smooth with other people in the ticket selling business. And apparently, Ticketmaster has this thing called Trade Desk. Mm. Where, uh, long story short, it's a way for you to kind of interface with, with Ticketmaster and they'll automatically resell your tickets. Yeah. And I've seen this before. Like, I've even seen it on a local level of Ticket, Ticketfly, I think, has one where mm. if you want to sell your ticket, you can kind of tell them. Yeah. And they'll put on, they'll put on a resale market for you, but like, you don't get a cut, at least Ticketfly. Uh, this is basically a way to kind of automate the StubHub if you can't show up for something. But anyway, during this industry show, apparently the Ticketmaster salesmen were on some like, look, you know, we love resellers. We love we love high volume you know, scalpers. You know, we work with you guys. You know, whatever you guys do on this side of the business, we won't tell the other side. The other side doesn't really care as long as we make money. All this stuff, which basically just equal like, you know, to use a Trumpian term, collusion. Of course. And then so as a result... You know, the, the, the expose kind of came out. A lot of the big music magazines kind of covered it. And apparently you have two senators kind of inquiring about what happened and how this came to be. What I found fascinating was Ticketmaster, as opposed to kind of covering their butts, kind of gave a very vague corporate ease kind of explanation on some like, you know, we're trying to do our best to make sure, you know, the tickets that we sell mm-hmm. and our resellers are the greatest quality. So we figured we would cut the middlemen out. and make every, It was very corporate ease. It doesn't really kind of yeah. get into the fact of where... As particularly as live music becomes the one of the primary ways you kind of consume music, as was one of the primary money makers, 
See, before it was a matter of, I think, let's say, ethics. Back in the Pearl Jam days, where they're mad at Ticketmaster because, you know, they were hoovering up everything. Yeah. So it was difficult to work in that system. I think now that so much money is involved with festivals and venues and everything else, and there's an upcharge, and we've kind of moved into the space where everything's an experience. You know, we're all too poor to afford houses and kids and cars and everything else, but we can still go out and, you know, spend our hard-earned minimum wage dollar for that one night out. So when that night turns out to be that Beyonce concert or it turns out to be that, you know, 21 Pilots concert, if you have really bad taste, it's like, what do you do when, you know, you show up and even nosebleeds are like hundreds and hundreds of dollars? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting how that's kind of come to a head, particularly since, you know, there's been a lot of things happening where between Ticketmaster and and um, just buying up venues, and it's, 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 it's I think it's kind of come around now where, you know, in the 90s it was a big deal because of ticket prices, I think we've moved beyond that, and unfortunately, we've kind of accepted ticket prices the way they are. But uh, I think the idea of where they're even controlling the ticket reselling, they're even controlling where the artists play, because going back to like uh, earlier this year, Coachella got sued because a festival, the old sold out festival in Oregon, argued that because when they play Coachella, there's a six month period where you can't play anything in neighboring states for like six months. So yeah. you've got this weird thing where everybody's kind of intentionally kind of monopolizing all these acts, monopolizing all these just basically entertainment. And it's kind of led us to a bad place where before you're overpaying for a ticket. Now, not only you over or you're really overpaying for a ticket, it's harder for you to see the acts that you might not want to see. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And, and it's crazy too, because, because this is not new, you know, Pearl Jam sued Ticketmaster, um, you know, nineties, man, in the nineties. And, and like, it was a whole big, like, oh, my God, you know. And now it's just kind of like people are just kind of shrugging at this, yeah. which, is, which is really sad. You know, I mean, I'm going to see, uh, you know, Bruno Mars uh, in two weeks. But, I mean, for, we're paying, like, three figures for tickets, you know, just – and they're not, like, floor level. They're not, like – you know, they're, like, 200 level, you yeah. know? So – it's getting to the point where where now like to go see an artist with like you and your significant other is it's five hundred dollars. Yeah. It's half it's, it's half people's rent payments. Yeah, no, it is nuts. Know? And and it's something where even for me, like a perfect example, BC Beastie Boys ha- are having a book coming out, like a nice big picturey book of telling oral histories of the band. So they're playing and keep in mind this is a regular talk. So they're gonna play a venue in New York City, they're gonna be talking and they'll give you a free copy of the book. Yeah. The book costs 20 bucks. Yeah. I was like, all right, let me go see. If they give me a free copy of the book, I'll go to see the talk. Yeah. Who, who cares? So I go there, and so the tickets are like 77 bucks. Mm. But after Ticketmaster takes their cuts, those are $100 tickets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, what yeah. happened? Why am I spending you guys $25 just so I could print tickets at home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's crazy that, that, there's, that there's really no outrage around this. You know, like people are, you know, I, there was outrage, I, I guess, like when Beyonce like had like her tour and there were like, $400 tickets per se and people were just kind of like I thought you were a woman of the people she was never a woman of the people <laughs> <laughs> by the way <laughs> she may have sung the people's songs <laughs> just just, just but, you FYI know, <laughs> you know private jet <laughs> private jets cost money <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly like you 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 like them when they took over the Louvre that you know ain't cheap <laughs> exactly come on you coming out here that, that definitely ain't cheap <laughs> <laughs> so you know but but yeah I mean other than that there was there's not been like a a real like pushback 
against the concert in- industry um you know now there's kind of a pushback against you know the streaming industry because of royalty rates and, and things like that and i think like now the modern uh i wouldn't say all music consumers but like you know maybe the the more woke ones understand that like you know things are happening things are shady that that stream is paying your artists like half a cent um but and they're pushing back on spotify and apple music and now there's a legislation passed to, to kind of rectify some of those things but the same thing's not happening the same energy's not happening uh over on the concert side yes um where you know a lot of times like you know these artists aren't receiving the revenues uh from these uh you know extra ticket sales you know like essentially a StubHub ticket or whatever like that ticket, all of that revenue doesn't go to the artists at all. Yeah, and it's not. It's, it's resold. Yeah, and then know? so recently, like I had, like I had a ticket sell on StubHub, which I laughed. So I had to t- sell a ticket. I had to buy a ticket. So selling a ticket, they took a cut, and then buying a ticket, they charged me a StubHub fee also. Yeah. So I was just like, what? Like, how are you getting it on both sides of the transaction? Yeah. And it just tells you how you have literally just these are middlemen. Like it's not the venue, of course. It's not. It's not like the artists themselves. It's just the middlemen are making billions of dollars. Just off the fact that you want to go see a show and somebody wants to perform a show, yeah, and that's insane. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy too. Like, like um, you know, just the fact that you know scalping is illegal, but a StubHub is not. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's I'm not I've known scalpers. I've known regular streetwise normal scalpers. It sucks, and I hate scalping, but I understand. What what kind of annoys me about the whole Ticketmaster deal is the fact of, like, you can't, like, you, you can't really build something to help people with bots. You know what I'm saying, kind of? Yeah. Like, that's where it gets disheart- this disheartening. And then on the flip side, you know, it feels like any, the ways artists try to get around it aren't really helping. So you've got issues of where, like, perfect example, so I wanted to see Nine Inch Nails. I wanted to see Nine Inch Nails, and so he was having, and I remember he had a funny, the way he announced it, it was like, it was like the meet meet somebody tour, where it's like you, the consumer, will show up <laughs> in front of the venue and stay online and speak to possible people. So he was doing it a very like a very snark kind of press release about it, kind of saying, "Hey, this is for the people. You guys could show up there and get the tickets." So I remember I woke up there and it's like pouring rain, and the line was literally around the block mm. enough where afterwards, because I was like I couldn't wait because I had to go run other errands. I heard people waiting waiting online for three hours and still didn't get tickets. And so it's weird where this technology is getting leveraged, not to make your life easier, but just just, just to fucking make people money. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. And and, and I think, you know, that's the interesting thing with technology. Like, when when technology came out, especially in the music industry, it was like a disruptor. And people didn't know what to do. And, like, revenues were falling because people were, like, finding ways around the traditional business models uh, to get things for cheaper and get things more efficiently. Now tech is the traditional business model. Yes. <laughs> and, and, it, and they've literally inherited the sense of the father. Whereas it's like, it's yeah. not like, like it's, it's something where it would have been, it, it'd be cool if like, like I, like perfect example would be like the same way going back to ticket fly system. They kind of position it as if, if you can't go to a show, we'll get you the ticket. So I remember I went, I bought a ticket, you know, it was sold out. I gave my information and they immediately when that ticket became available, they sent it to me for a minute. It was a small fee. It was a cheap ticket, let's say 20 bucks. Yeah. Probably charged me like three or four bucks. What was cool about that, it was seamless. I didn't have to go run to my computer and do it. They were like, all right, cool. We found an extra ticket for you. Here you go, buddy. Enjoy. Yeah. And that's kind of awesome. That's where tech kind of helps. Where tech doesn't help <laughs> is when I have to go to Ticketmaster 
spend 25 buck fee on top of an X amount of money ticket, you know, yeah. the, the way I get that ticket, you know, if it's a mobile only ticket, I can't print it out. You know, it's all yeah. this weird extra hoops they put in there just to make things difficult. Or even the most disheartening thing is when I go buy a ticket and that show is sold out, I'm not giving options where I was like, oh, our bad, the ticket's sold out. It's more like, here are all these reseller tickets you can pay for an upgrade, you know, for X amount of extra money on top of that. Yeah. And it kind of sucks because if anything, live music is key. And then what sucks is that bigger picture wise, it's becoming more difficult to kind of see these acts. And I, I guess the thing is, you know, maybe it's something where, because you have consolidation, not even with the ticket sellers, you have consolidation even with the venues themselves. So if you're trying to see anybody who's decently big, like get that like big, because, you know, it's cool to see small artists, but sometimes you want to go with your friends and, you know, when you're young and a teenager, hop in the car, hop in a train, Go down to, you know, an hour or whatever. Go down to the city and see whoever's a big star at the moment. It could be Adele. It could be Beyonce. It could be, you know, 21 Savage. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate because it kind of robs people of that kind of moment. And I remember back in the days, you would collect ticket stubs with the ticket shows you've seen. Yeah. People talk about seeing Michael Jackson and all this other stuff. And they hold these. These are memories. Yeah. So it kind of sucks that a big aspect of music the big a big aspect of how music touches us is kind of getting locked out by money. And I can go back to your point how it's ironic where music is free. Yeah. Sing music is a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And it's crazy too, because now it, it's live music is becoming more and more the domain of the privileged. You know, um, you know, like club like small club venues are closing. Yeah. They're getting gentrified out. Uh, so now the only option to see, you know, even some of these like smaller tier artists, like like Brock Hampton or something like that, uh, is to go go to a festival yeah. or go to like a con- like an arena show or go to like a large club show, you know, where you're still paying like you, you know seventy five hundred dollars to go to Terminal Five, yeah, you know, like like so now it's 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 becoming more and more just this domain of of, of people who can afford it, and at the end of the day, when you are buying say a ticket for you and your significant other, and you're doing transportation, babysitters, babysitters, you know, dinner before or after the show, drinks, like things like that, like you're talking like a five six hundred dollars a night. Yeah, and it's like you. I mean, <laughs> like, like, like you know, it's it's really sad that like we're getting to the point where it's like it's just unaffordable for people. Yeah, you know, like a Beyonce show now is <laughs> literally you know the one percent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean that's an exaggeration, but it, like I mean, there's not people from any MLK Boulevard (laughs) 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 who can just like go to a Beyonce Jay-Z show. Yeah, no. And and I remember it's funny where, because I remember like uh, the last time, not this concert cycle, but a concert cycle before, my my coworkers getting together on something like, yo, we got to get these tickets, yada, yada, yada. But they had to like, who's going to pay it? When I can get the money, I ain't got the money yet, yada, yada, yada. Or even I think it's the read, was it the cracking, they were cracking, it was was the read actually. Kid Fury, it was a couple years ago, he cracked a joke about, I guess I'm not going to pay my rent. (laughs) I'm gonna tell my landlord <laughs> that Beyonce tickets are gonna go on sale, which is which is kind of funny, but also kind of sad at the same time. Yeah. Where that's the kind of like money that we're dealing with, and like I said, it, it, what it sucks about it is the fact of it'd be cool if that money was gonna go to Beyonce. Yeah. I would have no problem with it, and and that's not necessarily necessarily to say that artists don't reap something out of it. Because obviously some of those tickets that, that don't go on sale, they kind of keep in management. And, they, and even then, I can't say the artist, really more management. Like, well, you yeah. know, like when Beyonce comes and plays, she has X amount of tickets that she gets. 
Of and course. then, you know, those tickets, you know, sometimes end up on resellers, but it's not like a lot. It's like, you know, it's, it's crash, and it's probably most of it is the management. What's depressing about it, though, is that when you go to these sold-out shows, and they aren't really sold out. Oh, of course. It's just the resellers, you know, who bought the tickets, and they weren't able to unload them or whatever, whatever. Yeah. So you're there, and you go to the show that's popular, and you're still able to go down a level. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. it's, even though it's sold out, there's a lot of extra free space. And it's kind of disheartening because you're just you're locking out the fans. Like though that space could have been used. Like they would have been an, a, a fucking eighteen year old who works at fucking the Gap who would have killed for that fucking space. Or oh, people don't know this too. It's like you know when uh, your ticket goes on sale. First off, there's probably about five to seven thousand tickets that never go on sale to public to yes. the public. You know, like just like you'll you'll never see that if you go to a Ticketmaster.com or like like it's just. That's just that's how it is. And, like, a lot of that stuff is, you know, the label keeps the tickets, you know, the artists keep the tickets, record label promotions, like, you know, like, like you know, like, Chase does, like, a pre-sale, like, the fan club does a pre-sale, like, you know, like, all of the, like, now there's, like, Ticketmaster verified fan. Oh, really? What is yeah. this? Which is, like, I don't know how you become a verified fan. Oh. But, like, that's, like, the whole thing with Taylor, Taylor Swift. Like, I've got this Kanye tattoo. <laughs> you can't tell me I'm not verified. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, like how do you become a verified fan? Like, yeah, you got to prove it, man. Yeah. You got to die. <laughs> I will kill myself with this Taylor Swift CD. <laughs> but like, that was the whole thing with Taylor Swift. Like, like she basically put, like, most all of her blocks of tickets on sale to, quote, unquote, verified fans. Who had to be a member of a fan club? I think you had to do something. Maybe you have to like write an essay in your blood. I don't know, <laughs> but you know that was another restriction yeah. to. So like again, when you go to like you know, remember back in the day when you like wake up at like nine a.m. or something like that, yeah. and you like hit refresh trying to like yeah. you know. Now nah, that shit's worthless. Yeah, I remember the older days. You could make call. You could actually call Ticketmaster, oh. wait on hold, and then maybe if you got there a little early, flirt with the lady on the other line. And then you know, slide in that nine o'clock, ten o'clock sale, and she, she hooks you up. Yeah, like, like, like you know, and, and it's crazy too. Like, I, I remember going to the box office, and it's still cheaper to go to the box office than to buy online. Oh yeah, is, by a large margin, which is crazy. Yeah, dude. even even with the upcharge, I remember I went to I think it was Irving Plaza, and they charged me an extra fee. I was like, oh my god, how could you? But it was like five bucks, as opposed to like you know, Ticketmaster's like twenty twenty yeah. percent fucking yeah, flesh. You know, and, and, but yeah, it, it, it's crazy that like you know, again, like you know, by the time you're you're like. Sitting there in front of your laptop it's like you only have like two thousand tickets to to grab for which go out like you know they're done it's a wrap in like maybe like five seconds and then they're like hey how about <laughs> using our resellers yeah immediately and womp womp yeah. we're back to where we started <laughs> yeah so i don't know so i'm hoping that with this new with this basically this new scandal and Ticketmaster's really horrible tone deaf after response and and you know assuming that you know <laughs> the senators aren't distracted with other things happening in the country that eventually there's some kind of reckoning and there's some kind of investigation and honestly it's just it's just way too it's just they're all monopolies they have to get chopped up yeah it's, at the end of the day is this it's 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 MSG. It's all these groups where it's just like you know we've you we talking own, about AEG yeah a, well yeah who wants they want they own oh, MSG too. oh MSG but you're too, right yeah. I have to go I, I have to go uh, I thought you were talking about like the MSG in yeah, the, but, in yeah, the, no, in the, in the, in the Chinese food yeah oh sorry da 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 which tastes good by the way which which is which is you know what is though and it's you know that's oddly 
the whole, and this is a, t- a totally different topic. We're gonna go there, goddammit. We're bringing the fucking truth. Didn't we say you we know, were gonna do that? You no MSG teachers? haters out there, you know that's fucking racist. You know it what I'm saying? It is racist. It's MSG is just motherfucking salt. And the idea of no MSG is this weird additive that'll make you grow fucking 15 testicles and extra breasts is fucking bullshit. No, it's, it's just it's, out it's, there and they sold it to you because people were also like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, but it's fucking this regular ass salt. It's cultural fucking bigotry. Fuck y'all. More motherfucking MSG on my motherfucking rings. That's right. Holler. That's right. Holler. Anyway, back in the, back as we were before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. AEG. And it's, it's the idea of where, because it goes, it goes back to another, something else that happened this week, where Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> the Prince of Darkness himself, leader of Black Sabbath, basically, that he That dude's had, still alive? Yeah. <laughs> There's he, some dudes who just like, yeah, will know, never die. Just, it's, 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 that's the thing. It's, if <laughs> anything... Has showed us, you know, Keith from fucking Rolling Stones. The more drugs and the more debauchery, the longer you live. I mean, we so lose Prince. Yeah, you, all you guys. We still got Ozzy. Because Prince was too healthy at times. You saw his drug use late. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be out there off the gate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Leaders of fucking vodka, heroin, everything else. It's, it's how you. That's exactly what it is. You see, if you start early, your body gets preserved. Mm. And your cells get bathed in this chemical, <laughs> and it's like formaldehyde, and you live longer. This is all scientifically proven. I'm a doctor, trust me. <laughs> but uh, going back to Ozzy, Ozzy had to fucking sue because he's got his, again, going back to your joke, his farewell tour, quote unquote. <laughs> and he was going to play, um, uh, I think, the London O2. I forget what sense of it. Anyway, he's going to play a stadium in London. And they basically told him, fuck you. If you're going to have to play the stadium in London, you have to play the stadium in LA because we own that also. So basically, oh, yeah. they forced him there. And so he sued, and they eventually dropped it. But what was interesting is that, and I can't remember the group now, they kind of gave a weird press release that was shot at a- AEG. Mm-hmm. Basically, on some like, AEG started it. So why are you going after us? We'll, we'll, we'll be back, bitches. And shake the fist and fucking hop into the fucking helicopter and escape. <laughs> <laughs> to the secret evil lair built on thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> of tickets that they've scalped. But uh, but yeah, no, it's and it's something where it's like it's ridiculous where you've got an artist fighting to play a venue because he can't play that venue because this venue is owed by somebody else and they want that money instead. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? If you want to see Ozzy Osbourne, she'll see. If Ozzy Osbourne wants to play where the fuck he wants to play, she'll have to play, and it's fucking bullshit. And it goes back to the whole idea of where there's way too much money lying behind everything else, and it's gonna have to get regulated because they're obviously not gonna relate regulate themselves. They already want to sue themselves. Because how going back to that that issue of Ozzy Osbourne, the company kind of said it was Ozzy Osbourne was a front for AEG and yada yada yada. They basically said we're gonna still keep doing the same shit. So it's like fuck y'all. Somebody's, somebody's got to step in at this point in time. No, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and, I mean, as somebody who who used to be in the industry and kind of knows the business, like it's it's not like it's not unprecedented that like. If you want to play a live nation venue, you can't play any other venue like yeah. within a two to four hour area, like yeah. whatever. Like uh, you know, as much as that sucks, especially like I, I guess like Coachella artists were complaining about that too, because like like you know, there's two weekends in Coachella, but they can't play for half a year. Yeah, like like anywhere in Southern California for like two or three months or whatever, yeah. because you know, like they signed the Coachella contract. And what are you going to do? Are you going to like try to play like five or six shows and like have you know small ass bars in LA? Or are you going to go play two shows at Coachella? You're yeah. going to play Coachella, but yeah. you know, but your person who's living in like fucking central LA is not going to drive all the way out to fucking Coachella. You know, yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, and it, but it goes back. Apparently, it's even multi states. At least for the original one they were suing, the sold out festival Oregon is it's like Arizona. 
It's like Coachella had yeah, this it's, huge it's, swath. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's and super it's, crazy. Yeah, and it, and like you said, it, it, it's, if you're it's a consumer, like like who's like like who's really making any like like the Joe Schmo in like fucking Arizona is not gonna be able to drive to go see whatever popular indie band is. But they might be able to drive thirty minutes to go see it down in a local stadium. It's fucking unfair. No, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I guess like having this where you have to play like all of our venues in multiple countries is very unprecedented. It's kind of awesome though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fuck you. We own your soul. Well, you know, like the funny thing is, if you ever read a music contract and it says like, where does this pertain? It says the universe. Oh, it actually does. It does. Oh no. It does because it, it it does that so it can tr- uh, um, basically it covers satellite transmissions. Ooh! So like I read a music contract and Sci-fi. said like, <laughs> "Where does this pertain? The universe." Oh! <laughs> so you comes, saw that truck contract? They got you. Wow! Here comes the Blade Brother sense, <laughs> the Scientology books, <laughs> the universe. <laughs> What, what about this, this galaxy? How about this, this galaxy? You know what I'm saying? I'll be that, I'll be that dude. And, and I was like, yo, I'm going to book a, a concert on Nebula 4. Exactly, man. I'm out here in the drama system. You know what I'm saying? Making it pop. You know what I'm saying? What are you going to do? What? You know what I'm saying? Out here, like, the, you remember the old school Star? Have you watched the original Captain Kirk Star Treks? Yeah. It's, it's very, it, they're great for all for the worst reasons because everything is settled by a fist fight. And everything involves sex with women who are painted different colors, <laughs> <laughs> who are aliens. So yeah. that's space guys gonna be out there. You know what I'm saying, throwing throwing bows and hanging out with chicks. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> drama like, system. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, so like it, it, it's kind of crazy that that you know, and this is just the sad reality of when you have like only two major or three major like companies running all of the major venues and concerts in the world now. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? You know, or at least the Western world. Yeah, and and we're only com- we're covering it from the consumer perspective. I would love to know the cut of a concert that you get now as an artist in 2018, as you did in let's say in 1988. Mm. Like the percentage of money you get, because mm. like I said, if if they're if they're if they're double charging the customer, they're double charging the reseller. Imagine what kind of cut they're taking from the artists themselves. Yeah, <laughs> which, which 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 is crazy, and it, it'd be funny too. I, I I wonder if it's if it's like the percentage is the same. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the artist gets the same, the same like five percent. Like they're mad too. They're like fuck, what happened to the master fees? You know, like it's just like less like shady, you know, industry rule like forty eighty whatever like shit that's going down. They get a, they get that huge ass like you know water winner check. They show it rolls up in there, and all of a sudden it's like yeah, we're taking away you know twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah, taking like, master fees. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. I want to do some research. I, that'd be a very interesting talking point. Like uh, percent, you know, like and not even just like concerts, but just you know, all things. Like, are you making more money as an artist back in the CD era or like the the the, the streaming era? Yeah, no, come on. I I, I figure. I, I'm assuming because the CD era was great. You know, what I'm saying that that was the era where but, you know you could sell X amount and still get like a check for. But, but like TLC was in the CD era and they're broke. Ooh. 
So, yeah, that's you got a point. You know, you got like, a point. It, we're, it we're, wasn't I, guaranteed riches. Yeah, I, we're a little bit more woke now. You exactly. Know? We're, we're, exactly. We're a little more about our paper, you know. Exactly. And it's the stopian future. <laughs> <laughs> we keep our little money. It's, it's not just we're all depressed and, and cynical assholes. So we're now we're keeping a closer <laughs> eye on where the money goes. It's no longer, oh, let's get to my manager. He'll figure it out. <laughs> Insane. Anyway. Anyway, so. It's been a, it's it's been a pretty it's been a it's been an interesting week music wise like I mentioned before. You had a lot of big, big 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 of the rapidy rap releases this week. You had a quintessential real MC Lupe Fiasco. You know, moved his uh, drogas, drogas wave, drogas wave. I feel like it's the guy say the West Indian drogas wave. Uh, basically, it was supposed to come out this week. It got pushed up a week because it leaked. You got Young Thug on the run because he was literally on the run. He got hit with a lot of federal charges in the oh, last week or so, word? which kind of fucked up. That's a whole other story. Brock Hampton's kind of, I won't say comeback album, but their uh, post-scandal album, Iridescence. Their like, first major label album, Yeah, first too. major label album, too. Very true, very true. And you've got uh, Father, you know, Awful Swim, which is basically, his actually, funny enough, made first major label album also, mm. RCA, and it's, uh, and it's also in Ty's Cahoots. With Adult Swim, and then um, and you've got a special throwback record which we'll mention a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but long story short, uh, I didn't have a chance to listen to Lupe Fiasco per se, so I'll, I'll get to that probably by next week. Um, I did have a chance to listen to Young Thug, Brockhampton, and Father. Um, I want to kind of focus on Young Thug just because Young Thug is in a word space, and I think it was New York Magazine wrote about it because in a weird way for all these like your little Uzi verts. For your Playboy Cardi, he's like the direct descendants. Mm. Like obviously, when he first came out, he brought a lot from Wayne, from Wayne. But Young Thug took it a whole other direction, where aesthetically, you know, the the weird androgyny, the you know, the 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 the, the weird trippy hair, the tattoos, the little the little almost like like punk rock swag, like yeah. that all came from Young Thug. And he's somebody, even though he's infinitely popular, I love him, he's never really had a big hit. His biggest hit was still Pick Up the Phone. Yeah. And arguably, um, he was on, um, what's that girl's name? Havana. The Havana uh, remix. Carm- Carmela Caballo. Carmela Caballo, yeah. And then so. Who hates black women, by the way? They, they, oh, rumors? No. True. Actually, true. That was all, all, all tweets. Twitter, Twitter rumors all. All you racists out there, all you MSG haters, all, you got, all it will tweets. always it'll always stay. But uh, but yeah, so actually, and it's what's weird is because even this year he's dropped some weird stuff, meaning that like I think he dropped the EP earlier this year, and then his last big album, quote unquote, was supposed to be a big album, ended up being just a compilation CD of him and literally raps by his family and his boys, <laughs> and they weren't bad per se. He's in a weird space where he hasn't fallen off, but he but that momentum he's had, he hasn't been able to keep because he hasn't had a solid album or mixtape release cycle. Yeah. And it kind of comes out. Here's an EP coming out tomorrow. Here's an album that may or may not be coming out in a week or two. You know, and it's a lot of weird promo things. Like, I read about how he sent, um, for that compilation CD, he sent Noisy like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, kind of cool, but it's just, like, where is the music? And the thing is, somebody where he still does dope stuff. Going back to this record, it's, it's a fucking great little EP. It's got... It's 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 um basically he's got Elton John on that bitch. Yeah. You can't get mad at that. Yeah. 
And the thing is, as far as if you like Young Thug, it's a great Young Thug album. He even had Jaden Smith in there, fucking ripping. Like it's, it's one of his best works. But the thing is, it's something that's happening at the same time where he got hit with mad Fed charges. <laughs> In the last week or two where I was reading an article about an engineer saying that he was rushing to release it just because he wanted to get it out before because yeah. he knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like, I hope that like, uh, I hope it's like the Gucci Mane situation because apparently he's got thousands and thousands of songs in the hard drive where he's mm. kind of going in and out, in and out of jail. Yeah. I'm hoping that he'll kind of find stability and kind of start making music on a, on a more serious level because I still think he's great and I still think he has something to say and I still think he's unique. Um, the next record I found relatively interesting was the Brockhamptons. Mm. So the Brockhamptons blew up and then kind of semi imploded because you had their their trilogy, the Saturation trilogy, which kind of put them on the map. They were making a lot of buzz. You know, they were th- crazy because I remember I tried to see them a couple times in New York City, sold the fuck out in two seconds, oh, going yeah. back to those things, going go ticket mask conspiracies probably. <laughs> and then um. And then they lost their big, uh, I guess, their most talented MC. If if, if Kevin Abstract, who's the quote unquote leader, um, if he's the most like, if if he's like, let's say, I don't know how to describe it to you. If he's like the RZA of the group, <laughs> <laughs> then like you know, Amber Amber was uh, well, be the, um, he was more of the Amir, I guess. How you pronounce it? I don't know, bro. I don't yeah. know those people. They all look alike to oh, me. Probably, but uh, <laughs> but like he was like you know the meth man. He was like the dude that was kind of holding it down. Yeah. And so they lost him. So because of uh, allegations and basically they kind of came out because I guess he kind of fudged the allegations and they kicked him off lying and they both betrayed. So this is interesting record because it's very scattershot as they do. There's like 25 of them, 26, maybe 34. <laughs> and then they kind of put all these songs together and they're all, they're all dope, but they're kind of all very random because you've got all these different styles. Um, even though it's held down basically by two main producers. Um, this is interesting because they branch off in ways they haven't branched off before. But you've got some definitely tracks that wouldn't be that far off of, let's say, uh, Death Grips, like very aggressive industrial sounding beats. Yeah. At the same time, you've got a song that sounds like the worst Christian rock radio song ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. So it's weird because the quality is still there, but it's so scattershot. It's still having. Like, it, it, I don't want to say it's a bad album. It's actually pretty good. There's a lot of great songs. But what I would love to hear from them is a masterwork. Yeah. As opposed to just hard drive dumps yeah. every six months. And the thing is, it's crazy is they've dropped a lot of music in a short period of time. And and you've got some great albums there. Yeah. But is it so like, all right, here's this weird song of, uh, you know, like I think one of my favorites is a song called Juve. Which is kind of great because it's named after uh, West Indian Day Festival. So it's pure, pure, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. aggressive, trappy, almost Punch up in the face music. Then the middle of the song, it actually turns into a West Indian like fucking soca song. Yeah. And then reclasses yeah. back. Yeah. Which is cool, but it kind of shows the kind of disjointedness of the album. Yeah. And so it works a lot of the time. But sometimes, like going back to that Christian rock song, <laughs> oh God, it's just, it just kind of fails miserably, in my opinion. So it's something where like, I'm going to keep my eye on them. I think it's definitely growth for listen as far as hip hop is concerned. You definitely should because there are some of the young cats coming out there. But I want to kind of hear something more cohesive in the future. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. I just want to say that, you know, I, I feel like it's crazy. You know, uh, you know, I made this comment before I, I saw they, were, they have a major label you know, album, like, but they need A&R. Yes, they badly. need they need A and R badly. They need like a producer or a mentor or somebody who can mold them badly because 
they haven't found their sound. Yes. Um, obviously, they have appeal. Like, obviously, it's a really, you know, like, just hanging out with 16-year-olds, like, a, a, a hip-hop boy band. <laughs> it's a thing, you know? Yeah. And they, they've tapped into a market. And, you know, they, they and it's, it's, it's cool to see that, you know, you have, like, white dudes who are, like, who just rap like they're or like, you know, like on Prozac and yeah, all these other things. Like you have all these elements, but it takes somebody uh, just with some big thinking to kind of bring all that together. And they're trying to do it themselves and it's not there. Yeah. And, it, and it's crazy because going back to the, you know, the whole thing apparently is how they met on a Kanye forum. So you kind of see it. It seems like it's a weird inverse of all your hip hop fans kind of basically became hip-hop stars themselves. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because, you know, they talk about their own issues and their struggles and, you know, going back to Kevin, how he's a queer kid and he's, like, leading his band. So he talks about, like, there's a quick bar in there about how uh, he was talking about relationship, how he was dating a woman and he couldn't get it up and he thought something was wrong with him. You know, yeah. you've got these weird emotional things happening. And since they're all young, they're all dealing with it. So it, I can see why they have a, a fan base. Because they they're speaking directly, they're their audience. Oh yeah, like it's literally like it's, it's a feedback loop where it's just like, all right, you know, I'm rapping about shit. I'm going through from this side of the mic, but from that side of the mic, we're the same fucking person. Yeah. So it's awesome. But like you said, I think just kind of need to hammer out a vision. Yeah. Besides the vision of that, we're young rap fans. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. And then the last thing I read was a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've got awful records who, I guess. Uh, where you, I guess you probably have waves of because like particularly in Atlanta you've got these weird waves. Yeah. So I guess maybe around uh, so let's say five six years ago we had like I love McConan and all that. You had awful records that kind of came out where I won't call them art students, but it would they were more there was something kind of like as opposed to a lot of rappers around there coming out of the Atlanta underground that was more about like you know very very trappy. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna say they aren't trap because it's definitely those same kind of hi hat beats. But as opposed to like, let's say, as opposed to promoting, let's say, drug dealing and gunslinging, they were just like scumbags. Yeah. Like the sexual deviants, I'll fuck your bitch, I'll shoot you in the face. And it was something kind of cool about that where it's it was almost a low kind of key kind of thing where even with the even with a lot of the trap stuff. It's there's a certain kind of energy to it, a certain kind of vibe, a certain kind of like aggressiveness to it. They were kind of, I guess, like you know, if I want to describe it to you, is like they were the guys in the club, like stealing purses in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like like stealing people's drinks and stuff like that. So they had this weird aesthetic, which is kind of cool. And uh, even though a lot of the compatriots kind of blew up, they kind of kept it independent and they were relatively successful enough. Where I'm reading an article about I love McConan. We were talking about his career, how it kind of went sideways, and kind of said, "Hey, if I kind of, you know, I kind of went with Drake, but if we can have a suspicion if I stayed with awful records or stayed underground, I've been, you know, I've been making money like they are doing now." Um, Father's the kind of leader of the record label, and he kind of stepped away from music for a minute. It seems like it looks like the reason why he stepped away was because he was working on a major label deal, mm. and so he dropped a new record with uh, with RCA and also, I guess, with Adult Swim, who's up promoting it, called Awful Swim. And so what's interesting about this is that. In his music, he kind of was moving, you know, beyond just the the, the the dirty sex and the drugs and everything else. I won't say a maturity per se. Yeah. But he was kind of expanding his worldview worldview a bit. Oh, this one he came back to pure scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of refreshing where like it's cool to kind of have an artist kind of you know 
signed to a label and kind of go back to where they are, stay true to what they are. Yeah. Because it would have been easy for him to like, you know, by this time with that kind of money, he could have easily called up like, you know, got a Cardi B feature, maybe one. I don't know how much of his budget was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a, a Cardi B sample. Something, you know, he could have got a little something. But no, this is just straight, you know, just straight gutter. You know, he's got a, a young producer, Melty Cannon, who did a lot of the beats. Mm. He did the other half of the beats. He just basically kept it the way it was. he's been doing it for five years. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a dope little listen. Like, it's not anything that's going to make like, oh God, it's going to make a top 10 list or, you know, or anything else. But it's kind of cool kind of hearing artists be true to themselves. And it's, it, it was a, a fun list for me. So I yeah. enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. So check it out. And I listened to it uh, a bit too. Like I, I, I love the production on this album. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I'm not a fan of trap albums cause I, I, I feel like they get one note after a while and the production is kind of one note, but it's, it, it's so it's different. It's hard to explain. It's, it's very, very minimalist. Very minimalist. Yeah. Very, very dark, but like it's not like moody. Yeah, there's no like tra- there's no sense coming in. Yeah. There's no like crazy eight oh eight bass lines. It's just like, you know, it's here's a here's a beat and then somebody rapping has come back to the top of that beat. Nice yeah. straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So I want to talk about um essentially like <laughs> So I was in the Bay Area, um, last week and shots to e40 shots to e40 um actually the funny thing about um going out there like i was going to get my haircut and i literally was just trying to to find a bar like a barber and like i walk in to this barber shop and they're playing e40 i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) vallejo (laughs) like we're good like we're on the west coast like it's cool um, but basically there's this artist called Prophet who I just started seeing, um, his vinyl, like while I was doing some crate digging out there, I didn't buy anything, just digging. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to take this shit on the plane. Yeah, man. Vinyl's um, heavy as shit. God it's heavy. It's God heavy. Um, but I, you know, I, I went to Amoeba out there and then I went to like pass by another record store and like they had the album cover in the front. And I was like, who is this dude? Um, so, of course, I, like, I, I, I went home and streamed it, which is funny. Um, but uh, basically, he is a dude from the Bay Area who put out one album self-release in 1984, right? Wow. So, essentially, he was shopping the album around the record labels. He was getting a little buzz. Record labels all said no. And that was it. You know, in 1984. And apparently, like, Peter Bo Wolf of Stone's Row owned a copy of that pressing of his self-release album. Because, of course. <laughs> yeah. How does he? What's up with Peter Butter? I don't know about something. Something's funny about him. Like, he's, he's a little bit too there at the right time for certain too cool shits. Like, I don't like, know about this. I, I mean, look, I've had the like, like. So if you don't know about Stone Throw and the legacy and Peter Butterworth, like, basically, it's like the music nerds, music nerds, music nerds cousin. It's like it's so deep and nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, they've been, I mean, they've been putting out albums for, like, years. Um, you know, they put out stuff from Mad Lib, you know, Dilla, obviously. But they put out a lot of random-ass stuff. And, and it's all cool as fuck. Enough it's, where something, something's off here. They must have some I kind mean, of I would, time I machine, alternate universe. I wouldn't even say it's all cool as fuck. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff I'm like, this shit sucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, but it, it seems cool because like that's what you would say, but it's like not it's not the greatest, yeah. you know. Um but basically Peter Bo Wolf had this um this first pressing and I guess like you know, just through the music industry they cross paths, this dude Prophet and Peter Butter Wolf, and Peter Butter Wolf is like, hey, like, I'll put out a new album for you on Stone's Row. And, you know, dude's, I don't even know what he's doing, but he's probably like, yeah, okay. Um, so they record this album called uh, Wanna Be Your Man. And the cool thing about this album, like, it's not the greatest album. Like, you could tell why a major label would pass on this dude. No lie. Um, and Wanna Be Your Man is like the it's the title track, which I actually heard and like bars and stuff in the Bay Area too. So like it's kinda like so it's kinda like this hipster track that people out there have been listening to. Um but the cool thing about it is like the production is literally it sounds like it's from nineteen eighty four. Awesome. But it's it's like you could tell they used all of the analog you know, compression and things like that. It doesn't, you know, we've heard 80s albums that sound like, you know, you know, like they're produced in 2018 or whatever and they're supposed to sound like they're 80s. Cool kids type stuff. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, it's way too crisp, way too clean. No, comp- like, no, like, uh, mistakes. Com- you know, all the compressions is, is super clean and you could tell it's just made by a computer. Where this album, you, like, they dug out I'm sure this dude still has a studio from 1984, <laughs> and they probably just went to that studio and recorded the Blew album off the Casio keyboard. Yeah. It's like it was like in the movie, it was dust everywhere, and like, like every, <laughs> and you know, like like it it seems like that's what happened, um, which I think is pretty amazing to hear in 2018. Um, you know, they could have you know updated the sound. They could have done things that are, you know, more modern. They could have had a young thug like <laughs> <laughs> cameo Profit. or something. Or auto tune. Yeah. <laughs> like like they could have did, did so many different things with this album, but they kept it completely raw, completely real, and completely like, you know, eighties. And it shows. And wanna be your man, it's like it's it's a like I said, it's, it's like out there, it's like a weird hipster hit. You know, like those hipster hits where you only hear them in hipster bars <laughs> <laughs> and record stores and shit. Like, you know, I was like, but um, but it works. It's it's cheesy enough that like, you know, the hipsters like it, but it's also fairly soulful, you know, it's it's and it's kind of it's it's different enough that like it peaks, you know, it peaks people's ears. Um so it's kinda cool. Like it, 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 I actually had a conversation um the other day about like all of these kind of like you know i wouldn't say like white saviors but like all of these like you know daptone records and things like that like they're going and like resurrecting these people's careers like charles bradley who was like a you know james brown impersonator yeah had like a hit record because of yeah. daptone and sharon like jones yeah yes yeah, sharon jones you know like uh the band death and it's this kind of interesting that we're in this really int- like uh, like I I would say it's amazing. It's amazing that these people get a ch- second chance and they get to build a new audience and they get to build you know like like a new fan base and, and they get to experience like maybe the life they were chasing like thirty years ago. Um, you know it it is kind of I wouldn't say exploitative 
but it's there's come something weird about that. Like you're saying, like Pinyarbo Wolf is always at the right place at the right time, or Daptones at the right place at the right time for some of these artists. Like it's kind of weird in that sense. But uh, you know, as long as dude, these dudes are getting paid, yeah, I can't get mad at it. You can't I, get I, mad. I at understand it. how the economics. How you know it would be nice if like you know back in the days you got noticed. It would be nice if like a, a, a young black label noticed them now, but. You know, it's it's something where they've got they've got the bandwidth, <laughs> aka money, <laughs> to go out there and invest in these. You know, and take that risk. And and props to them for doing it. I'm yeah. Gonna, and then props to the to the to these artists who kind of put in the work for years and are reaping the rewards now, even if it's a little bit too late. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Props to them. Definitely. All right. So hopefully cool. one day, you know, my lost <laughs> album. <laughs> You know, I, I rapped in a Walkman from back in the days <laughs> over really shitty beats will get discovered. And I'll be out here touring, you know what I'm saying? Doing drugs of like me and Ozzy Osbourne, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the Staples Center, it'd be great. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, guys, as usual, thanks as for usual. listening. Uh, so, so shout out. Uh, so we got analytics now. Ooh. So we know you. Ooh. We follow you every move. Ooh. But shout out to like the three people in France that listen. Oh. VV, wee wee. I know. Probably blue Francais. I know. Probably. I know. So that's just. Damn, wrong. they all unsubscribed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but actually, you know, but they all unsubscribed. It's but, like, <laughs> yeah, but one day we've got to have. There's some really, and this is a kind of a weird, it's a horrible segue to before we end the show. But you know, specifically in France, they've got a bomb music just scene scenes period oh, just yeah. because it's so very insular so there's a lot of dope shit that kind of bubbles out from there yeah. particularly just across from just from hip hop to particularly like afrobeat stuff to just playing like like they've let's be honest like the last ooh, 10 years the dance music has strictly been french oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely yeah. so now shout out shout out to y'all yeah. like like it's it's cool to see that pop up in the analytics it's like yeah. oh we're like if 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 you're one of three people like Reach out. Yeah. It's up. It's up. How? You know what I'm saying? I, I might come sleep on your couch <laughs> to go check out <laughs> a Phoenix show. <laughs> but on that note, people, I peace. Peace.